Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. What is the shaman school? No. You're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society how to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of, one that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I have extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on the Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hey tribe, this is Shaman Dirk, and I'm so happy that we are on this planet together at this most beautiful time in our evolution where the transitions of energies are taking place and moving the things that don't need to be in our life anymore. And I say, let it go, completely let it go. Don't hold on, don't resist it, don't freak out. Just realize that sometimes things have to come in and shift energies and it may look like it's going in this horrible way, but in fact, it's actually lifting up all of that density and getting us to a higher place in our evolution. 
the great occurrence that is taking place is giving us an opportunity to really see what's valuable in our life that has real substance, not some superficial nonsense that we've been buying ourselves into that the world tells us we have to be bought into in order to exist on this planet and be a part of what everyone else is doing. It doesn't make any sense for us on any level to continue operating against ourselves just for the sake of being rewarded, acknowledged, and seen and valued when we should be seeing that with in ourselves. So anything that's showing up right now that is getting you to go outside of yourself instead of go inside of yourself, you know that this is the thing you need to let go of, right? So the key element is to be able to remove the superficial areas of those barriers in your life that have been limiting you from seeing the potential of your being and be able to shift them into recognizing that the potential of your being does not lie within these types of accolades and material possessions, but it lies within the passion of your heart to see change not only within yourself but within the world at large so that way whatever you're doing change can occur by you accessing a level of intelligence that comes through anything that you choose to move it through in a way that enlivens lifts and shifts humanity to think in a way that is without limitations without fears without labels boxes and move into a place of true liberation or the synthesis of understanding reality not based upon what one is being told but what one wants to experience right and so reality is constantly shifting constantly lifting and creating new platforms for playgrounds to be played upon by us powerful children of light and that being said we get to access these level of dimensional thinkings and then begin to go oh wait a second the landscape that we're actually playing on is pretty boring and really doesn't have the substance that we require so let's go ahead and strip it right and then use the alchemy energy and change it into something different so that we can actually access a whole new playing field but the playing field doesn't have to be violent and doesn't have to be based in insecurity and power games and power struggles and domination and all this other stuff. The playing field actually can be an integral aspect of experience through play, through sensuality, through connection, through sharing, and through observing and accepting and allowing that allows that landscape to be rich and full where people feel safe to be exactly as they are without feeling threatened or that they're going to be taken out or extinct just removed from the playing field because they are not meeting the standards and the ideas and the values that other people are placing upon them, which we all know is judgment, right? But no one can really judge you or me or anyone else. They're only judging the perception of what they actually believe based on the experiences they have. So you can only judge from inside your cage or your jail, but you can't judge outside of it because you can't really see outside of it because you're trapped within it. So the key element is to remove yourself from judgment and go into a space of the unknown and the place of acceptance of the liberated and unknown, which is the idea of liberating the unknown into the process of our experiences. So that means that every experience we have, instead of judging it or trying to put it into some kind of dualistic, you know, polarity, we move it into a place and recognize it as its whole spectrum, which is the ability to engage those energies from the context of experience and from the context of allowing. And that allowing then opens up this wellspring of information and conversation and engagement that allows people to see that they're not that much different from each other. They may have different viewpoints on how they choose to observe and experience life 
life and creation, but they don't need to fight, kill and hurt each other because they don't understand certain aspects of a certain experience or a way of being. So the experiences are then left out of the duality, out of the quantum entanglement. And then the experience itself is held within the joy of the experience, which is the creation of. So as you go through experiencing things, you're actually creating from those experiences. And then this gives your mind this kind of new way of thinking and perceiving life because you're not perceiving life based on someone liking you or loving you or telling you how amazing you are, but you're experiencing life through the experiences and only that. So it gives you this beautiful journey where it's not held in you have to's and if you don't, then this horrible thing's gonna happen or domination and fear or any type of energy that would come in as an aggressor to saying you can't do this or you or this is who you are or this is what box you need to go into versus just keep experiencing and go through those experiences and enjoy them. So then you begin to recognize yourself not as this single cell being who has only one life. And then after that life is over, you perish, you're done, and then that's it. And that's all she wrote, as Angela Lansbury would say. That's not the case. The case is getting into recognizing yourself as an eternal being that's going to have a lot more experiences than more than you can imagine. And all those experiences are going to antiquate into more wisdom and knowledge for the collective, right? Because everything that I'm doing in my life, even though it may seem that I'm doing it alone. In truth, I'm not. In truth, what I'm actually doing is experiencing things and then sharing those vibratory energies and frequencies with other beings and other galaxies who are aware of my presence, as well as the people around me, as well as the conversations I'm engaging in and the things that I'm participating in are all benefiting from all the different experiences that I've chosen myself to have. That's why I say, don't cut yourself off from enjoying different experiences. Don't be like, oh, this is who I am and this is who I am and I only do this and I would never do this and and this is this and this means this and if I do this then this thing's going to happen and if people see me like this then this thing's going to happen like I don't even get into that nonsense that nonsense is literally it's that worst merry-go-round you've ever been on in your entire life because the whole process of that nonsense is to keep you in a loopity loo so that you're going around in circles and circles and circles. And by the time you get off of it, you're so completely discombobulated. You don't understand clarity at all because clarity has changed its position based on the circumstances of the outside environment. And so therefore, the way that you're interacting with the world will not be in sync and harmony because you're still operating from a place of your old intentions, your old belief structures, the limited way you choose to look at life versus in this expansive fulfilling and all-encompassing way, right, that allows this very deep, deep, deep wisdom, right, that is there, that is sitting there at the seed of creation, waiting for you to pluck it out and, and experience it and then bring it into every facet of your life. And that doesn't just mean for yourself, but that means for everyone, so as we continue to ride this lit train, 
right? The lit train is all about reaching those higher states of consciousness and moving through the stratospheres of thought and experience and feelings that are constantly high vibing, full of life, full of energy, and just makes you feel so lit. But the energy of that is also about building and creating and designing and discovering and making the, the manifestation process easier and effortless the more and more and more you ride that lit train, the more you begin to move into the frequencies of energy that allow you to weave and to construct. Now, this is very important because when you are on those high vibe energy frequencies, not just stay there for yourself, but actually start weaving the constructs of human intelligence back into the neurological process of us collectively by surging that frequency in energy through everything that you're doing. And as you model that energy into the world, it then sends a message to their mind, which their subconscious and unconscious mind is able to receive and pick up on and be able to go, oh, this is a very different energy from what I've been experiencing. Let me shift the energy and move myself in that direction so I can experience that. And what it does is it actually begins to create a new reference of intelligence on the planet so that the frequencies begin to line up and then they begin to move in sequence with each other that creates this harmony and then they begin to converge into the old frequencies, therefore changing them through alchemy, lifting them out of the main sector of our consciousness which is what I call the collective insurgence, right? It's the energy that moves through each and every one of us that we don't even realize is happening, that connect each and every one of us that we don't even realize is happening, but is happening and is creating this beautiful connection. That energy then becomes completely apparent to the mind. And then the mind begins to communicate it to the emotions and to the body and to the senses. And then you start releasing chemicals and your body starts going through a metamorphosis as you begin to restructure your cells for this beautiful mutation that allows you to access new dimensional thoughts and frequencies, energies, and combination energies that are happening, that are operating in higher frequency tone so that you can begin to manifest those energies into life through the people you're speaking to or the projects you're getting engaged in or the type of places you visit or anything on any level all the time every time. And that becomes the true understanding of what we call creating the energy source to move in alignment, right? With consciousness with emotion and with spirit because spirit is the vessel that is able to access all these different dimensional gates but the mind can limit the spirit from accessing those dimensional gates because the mind wants to try to hold on and create these types of patterns of grids of holding on every time the mind holds on it limits energy from flowing it's like taking a, a river and taking a bunch of rocks and putting it in the river until the river can no longer move down the river because the river then becomes stopped because it's been a dam has been built or too many rocks have been in place that are limiting the water from flowing through. Well, that's what we do every time we go into places of judgment and fear and lack and worry and separation and our judging and comparing or any of these types of things where it creates any form of limitation for the energy to flow naturally and effortlessly. So 
when people say things like I'm blocked, what they're doing is they're putting a block there so they can feel the block and justify it and be right about it. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm not blocked. Energy's just been moving in a stagnant or a very slow moving position. And therefore now I'm speeding it up and flushing it through this river of life that moves through my body and brings in prosperity and abundance and sustenance and allows us to be able to step into this beautiful place with ourselves, with our hearts completely ablaze and open and allows us to go, wow, I can receive without the fear that someone's going to do something to me or take something from me or hurt me or harm me or hold something over my head. And I can be that person who's open to that level of prosperity and abundance, not just in monetary currency, but also in the opportunity of kindness and love and friendship and beautiful moments and trips and experiences and gifts and, and all types of ways that abundance and prosperity will show up. And it's not always going to be in the way you may think it will show up. Sometimes people will be asking for more prosperity and abundance in their life, but they don't realize that there's certain places in their life that need more prosperity and abundance in other things. Like they maybe need more abundance in joyfulness or more prosperity that comes to them through joy and happiness or expression or doing art. So they get more prosperity in that to create that abundance of art that allows them to open up doorways in their consciousness that they probably would have stayed shut down but thanks to that understanding of that that void and how we relate to it we begin to create an awareness of the unconscious mind and of the subconscious and super subconscious mind that is activating these frequencies of energies that we may not even be paying attention to in our precognitive state but we can access in our meditative and our dream state or in the way we operate in our daily lives when we're being mindful of the heart and mindful of the experience that we're having every experience is like a beautiful note you know like when you buy a beautiful perfume or and you can basically sense the different notes like oh someone here puts this thing and this person put this thing and then there's like a bass note well the same is with energy and frequency right it's about being able to feel it experience it and then take it apart energetically not with judgment but from a playful expression and be able to play within those energies and see what they are so that you're able to go oh when I feel this or hear this this is the type of energy I'm playing in but I can actually expand through that and move it into a very joyful, playful, love, elated energy that creates a different type of energy source that makes it possible for people to do things that people otherwise wouldn't think is possible to do. What do we call those mini miracles that become these bigger miracles that become these very super large miracles to these like amazing quantum miracles because the miracle energy has to be activated by intelligent frequencies, not lower density frequencies so when someone is saying oh i'm manifesting but they're just had a fight with their husband that's a just um what can i say it's not in the highest order because what it does is it creates this dissonance of energy that is spiraling through the system that has not been resolved and that energy then creates limitations on having that abundance having that prosperity being able to tap into this wellspring of of goodness that's always there every time all the time right and be able to go into that space and go wait a second i can have these things because i am not living in the perpetual fear that someone's going to take it away or do something to it or remove it and so we constantly have to move in that space where it doesn't support us as human beings to live that way because every time we go to live that way we are limiting ourselves from seeing the greatest potential of what is possible when we just go in quiet ourselves from the need to be right 
and step into a place of the journey of spirit and how spirit chooses to share it with you. You could walk down the street and see a billboard and spirit will speak through the billboard. You may hear a song on the radio and that's that's the message. You might talk to a friend and they drop something on you and that's the message. A lot of mic drops in places you didn't even know existed because there's a lot of people and a lot of beings who are getting those downloads and be, and delivering them to you without thinking that it's about anything other than you know, getting those downloads. A lot of times people have this misinterpretation that when they see like 1111 or these things, they think, oh, let me just burn out a candle, you know, and then burn out this candle and then I'm going to make a wish and all this kind of stuff. This isn't your birthday. This is not about making a wish. This is about stepping into a space of autonomy with the universe, with the universal powers, with the elders, with the energies, with the saints, with all the different beings and really begin to create a real conversation utilizing the information and technology that you've already gained so if you see the clock say a certain thing, that means that's a part of your environment. That means spirit is activating those environmental experiences to give you those numbers to amplify energy into the world. And so many times we we take everything out of context and we, we put woo-woo on one side and we put science on the other side. And all of this is doing is just causing pain for both sides because no one is getting the full understanding of what is going on on a spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical level. And so the only way we're going to get there is by accessing these different dimensional energies that are always available to us and bring them in and then realize that these dimensional energies are just experiences that you've had since you were a kid or different experiences that have actually opened up more doorways of those experiences that have become these multidimensional expressions but in fact it is the main expression of your being that has created multiple um, expressions of your being through its interactions in this world, in this environment that would be very different if they were sleeping at night in that world, because there's different rules and experiences in that world that we ourselves have not been able to move through because of the way that we choose to operate and see things on this planet versus how we could see them and how we could operate, which is staying in a place of love staying in our heart, staying on the lit train, getting all the knowledge and information you can get from, uh, from things and resources of people out there who are really about taking and rearranging all of the discord into something that's so beautiful and so wonderful. So that way we're able to go, wait a minute, I see all this suffering. I see all this pain, but I don't have to focus on it. Is that what you're telling me, Shaman? I'm like, yeah, exactly. You can choose to be a part of it or you can choose to be outside of it. But the key element is to always be true in yourself, in any involvement, any movement, or any energy that you choose to go into, creating this wellspring of energy where you feel like, oh my goodness, I can be free. And at the same time, open up the doorways that you would have never walked into, but all of a sudden open because of the fact that you're willing to take those steps and really step into that space of deep love with yourself and really understand what it means to pull in more of that deep love, not by something you have to go and actually grab it, but something inside of yourself, which is to pour into that love and keep saying, I'm pouring more into my love and I'm pouring more into my love and keep opening up that doorway that allows those energies to operate. And then you have this beautiful energy source that is willing and able to to create the most amazing life for you. And all you have to do is stay true in your heart, in your soul, so that you're able to bring about the highest level of nurturing, loving, and sharing, and giving, and connectedness that you ever felt in your entire life. Mm. 
so beautiful. I'm so happy to share these beautiful thoughts with you and these ideas and concepts that come through all the information that I've gathered in my life. I love you so much. And I wanted to let you know, there's no one like you. No one, no one like you. No one like you in the world at all. And so let's honor that and let's appreciate that and let's value that. Until next time, bye. Hey Tribe, so the Tribe wants to hear from you. And I know a lot of you are talented out there in music and poetry and recipes and ideas and just, you know, things that you want to share with the Tribe. You can send that information to info at shamandurek.com and share your gifts with the Tribe. Love you all and stay lit. Hello Tribe, we have another Tribe shared by... Laura Rain, a spoken word. Enjoy. You don't know my name. It doesn't matter. I've had a lot of names. It doesn't matter what you call me. Call me Suchinako, the woman who makes the world. Makes the world with the stories I tell. Call me Spider Woman. You can bring your offerings if you wish. I'll give them to the bird people and the mouse people. To snake and mallow, rabbit. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Because you came here with empty hands, your spirit has become woven into bad things. It's time now to weave a new story. Walk out into the desert, sit beneath a choya. Notice the shapes of things. A hawk hunting against the sky. Shapes of the sky. Old man mountain sleeping. Saguaro pointing the way. Notice the shapes of shadows. Notice the shapes of your own shadows. There are stories that live here. They're like threads woven into the land. Stories that wrap themselves around old bones and pottery shards. Stories running on four legs or two. Stories written in the rocks about yellow women and the hearts of sleeping mountains. And cracks in the land like a spider web full of light. Once you could see the web, you could see it as plain as day. 
song lines, ley lines, threads, connections, the patterns. Each shining light woven thread. And you say you can't see it. Well, take a look around. You don't need to climb a mountain to get the big picture. All of its snaking rivers and twining roots are inside of you. All those threads come right out of your hands and out of your hearts. And all those threads just go on forever into the earth and into each other, into all your stories, into everyone you'll ever know, into all those who came before you and all those who will come after you. Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors who is Lit Verified. The Lit Verified store is open, but what does Lit Verified mean? Lit Verified is an acknowledgement and stamp of approval by the tribe. I have tried each of these products and they are the best. Lit Verified products vary from beauty, technology, clothing, food, health, and wellness, and anything that is ethically sourced, organic, maintained, and sustainable. Not every product offered to the team passes the Lit Verified test. No. Not at all. Every Lit Verified product is carefully researched. Every CEO has been met with. Every ingredient carefully looked into the process production of all of it. I have seen the impact these vendors are making. Their vision and ethics are aligned with our tribe, with people who are consciously supporting community and want to make a difference in our world and make it a better place for us. Lit Verified products are ethically sourced and meet the highest industry standards. When purchasing Lit Verified products, we give back by creating sustainability and by leading the world to make better choices. You can be confident that you're buying into a company that supports a vision for change, not just a company that wants to line their pockets with money. We live in a time where we are oversaturated by commercials, TV, and social media, where far too many celebrities and influencers are endorsing things they know nothing about and things they might be doing damage to people, to the earth, and to animals. With Lit Verified, we've taken that doubt out of the equation. You're not only getting the best, but you're also doing the best. Pick up your awesome Lit Verified items at shamanduric.com and click on the link that takes you to Lit Verified. Love well, tribe. All right, tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I'm Shaman Durek, and I am super happy to be here on this planet with all of you powerful leaders of legacy who are here to really light up the planet and open up your minds and connect into that deep part of your being that is here to bring love and kindness and generosity and just be there for the people because that's what it's about is for us to love the people, to honor the people and to honor ourselves. And while we're on this planet honoring ourselves, it's so important for us to be aware of how we are being present with our heart because our heart is such a beautiful, amazing, powerful part of our being. And a lot of times people have separated the mind and made it more about the mind than the heart. But in truth, in shamanism, we always say it's the heart that is doing everything. And so when we talk about the heart, we understand that the heart has its own capabilities of bringing joy, happiness, and love in our lives. But in order to do that, we have to really understand the heart and really connect into the heart in a beautiful way. And there's someone amazing with us today in studio who is going to share with us everything about the heart and also talk to us more about this clean, amazing program that he has created. We're talking about Dr. Alejandro Younger, MD, who is LA-based cardiologist and founder of the medical director of Clean Program and the best-selling author of Clean and Clean 7, among other health books. He is an amazing speaker, and I'm so happy to have him here to share about the heart and the love that he brings to the world through everything that he does. He truly is a lit leader of legacy. Hello, Dr. Alejandro. Well, hello, and thank you so much for that incredible intro and uh, for whatever beautiful things you said about me. I was really focusing on you talking about the heart, right? And and the heart as a source or a generator of happiness, right? But but in Western medicine and in our culture in general here in the West, we usually think about the heart as a muscle <clears throat> and, it pump, and it pumps your blood. And that's what we limit to think of, right? Right. We, we used to think of the digestive system as, ju- as just a tube in which digestion happens. But now we know, for example, that there's a huge nervous system within and around the gut, right? And Mm -hmm. in that it produces so much of the serotonin that we need in order to have that feeling of well-being. Now, we also found out that the intestines have an incredible immune system or 70% of the immune system of your body lives within and around the gut. But we haven't really gone far with the heart. And the heart, for example, has an incredible intelligence and it has a brain. Now, we think of the brain in the heart just as a network of electrical impulse carrying fibers, right? Or nervous fibers. And and we talk about, you know, the the atrial fibers and the AV node and the and the bundle of his, all these nerves really that in a way coordinate the beating of the heart. The heart has to beat in a very specific way in order to be effective. The upper chambers have to squeeze the blood into the lower chambers first. Then the lower chambers have to squeeze it into the rest of the body. If the fibers start firing independently as opposed to in group, you get something called atrial fibrillation, right? That predisposes you to a lot of problems. So we talk a lot about this this nervous system in the heart, but really just for its mechanical function, right? But the system 
has an incredible intelligence, both of the mind and, and of the soul, right? Yes. And, and we are only now starting to look into this from a Western uh, medical point of view. But shamans have been using this knowledge for thousands of years, correct? Yes, we have. <laughs> it's so one, true. One, one, one amazing story is this heart surgeon. Uh, you may have heard of, of him, Dr. Stephen Gundry, mm-hmm. telling me that, that he used to do a lot of heart transplants. And sometimes the person who got the heart from the, the deceased person started having memories of the life of the person that, that the heart came from, right? So we see that, that there's a much more than what we usually think about in terms of the heart. Absolutely. You know, in shamanism, you know, the way that I was raised and trained in shamanism since I was a kid, we look at the heart as the central place of humanity and of all things, because shamanism is based in relationships. So it's relationship to everything around us. The heart is the only aspect that understands the true relationship. So it is the truth in that relationship. So it literally is the, what we, what we call the gateway to all connections. So it is what the, the main networking aspect of consciousness, of divine consciousness, of understanding human consciousness, of the animals and nature and so forth, because that we, we believe that the heart has within it the same functionings that the brain has. And we say the brain is a polarity organ, which is operating in dissonance between the information that it gathers. So if it gathers information that is contrary to the other information, it stores all of it. So whenever someone is thinking, they have to go through those polarities, whereas the heart doesn't operate in polarity, it operates in quantum. So it sees the, the possibility of all things. What are your thoughts on that, well, I'm, I'm a, a student of Gurdjieff and, uh, and in his cosmology and in his explanations, right, he talks about the heart as the place of access to higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. That's what we believe in shamanism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, you know, just like, just like uh, through your senses, you, you access certain information from the physical world through the heart, you access the information to the higher intelligence, right? And it's uh, unlocking that and aligning that with the rest of the brain activity that leads or allows for enlightenment. Absolutely. (laughs) I love you. You're amazing. (laughs) Yes, it's so true. And, you know, it's interesting as well, too, is that whenever someone has an idea about something like a thought or feeling that they're thinking about that is incorrect to who they are, the heart has the ability to communicate to all the organs of the body, as well as the mind, as well as any aspect of the ego, and be able to correct any imbalance in the system because the heart is the main functioning that allows the body to sustain through it being able to be this what people call the muscle but it really is this powerful energy source that is communicating to all parts of the body and so whenever someone has like trauma in shamanism the way we deal with it is we actually communicate to the heart the truth and then we have the heart communicate to the rest of the body where the trauma is stored and then the body starts to heal let me ask you something 
since I got you here. You know, I've been talking a lot about intuition, right? And how the hardware for intuition is is located around the intestine, right? And that's why people talk about a gut feeling or, I, you know, I know this in my gut or I can feel it in my gut, right? Follow your gut. Now, what function does the heart fulfill for intuition? Is the heart where intuition also is generated or, or is it even higher than intuition? So the heart is higher than intuition. And in shamanism, we say intuition starts in your penis or in your sexual glands. That's can, and it grows up into your intestines and then goes up the medial alignment all the way up into your heart and then goes all the way up into your cerebrum cortex. So we say that aspect of intuition is governed by sensuality, your ability to sense the frequencies of energies that are moving through you that create an excitement in your body by connecting into your nervous system that allow you to feel this kind of, as they say, like this, where you would get like a feeling in your stomach because your, your intestines can have ner- all these nerves that it can feel those frequencies more so than any most part of your body when it comes to feeling subtle frequencies. So what happens is your sensuality, which comes from your sexual energy glands, which are what are basically connected to the grounding source of your, how do we say, your pleasure intelligence, as I would say, because most people don't realize that your penis, your vagina has its own consciousness. And so that consciousness then communicates the things that actually you feel uh, turned on by energetically in the world. You know, you may look at something or look at someone or food or some idea of a new project. And what happens is that part of your body gets turned on to it or it doesn't get turned on to it. If it gets turned on to it, it sends the frequency into your intestines. Then your intestine nerves begin to feel the frequencies of where that's going to be sending, like where that energy is. And then it sends it into your heart that has the knowledge. And then it tells you which way to go. And then it sends it up into your brain to give you some mental, visual ways to, and to applicably bring that into your life. So all of a sudden you might say, go to the store right now. Or, you know, go take a, a walk on the beach right now. And then the reason why your brain is getting that is because the heart is communicating to it from the intestines and from your sexual glands. Interesting. That's how we look at it shamanically. (laughs) Cool, cool. So we always say your turn on is so important when people get turned on to life or they get excited about something or passionate about something. That's because it's coming from that part of your body. It's coming from that part of your body that senses your pleasure gates, which are these beautiful energy gates that are spinning constantly, feeling what actually brings joy to you. Yeah. So Amazing. I don't know, how do you explain it in the medical world, my love? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it's going to take me a while to process all of that and, and find the correlations with, the, you know, because sometimes you read stuff and you don't really know where to put that information. But then with an explanation like yours, I, I'm sure that I'm going to review some of my notes and I say, oh, this is what he meant. Because it really, all traditions have many things in common, and they, but they just explain it in different ways, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes you don't get it through one tradition and then you hear it from another and then you, you're able to, you know, correlate. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. What inspired you to start living clean? Well, it was more than anything the typical story of the wounded healer, right? 
Mm-hmm. I always wanted to help. I always wanted to help people, you know, live a better life, a healthier life, stop suffering. And I had a really privileged upbringing and, you know, my family loved me and we had everything we needed and good schools and, and good food. And, and then I graduated from medical school in Uruguay and I moved to New York and the change of lifestyle got me really sick. Mm. Irritable bowel syndrome, depression, allergies. And I, and I was given seven prescription medications and that, that didn't make sense to me. And that really put me on a path of discovery of how can I resolve these problems without the need of seven prescription drugs, right? Right. That took me first uh, to find a meditation teacher, Guru Mai. I don't know if you heard of her. Mm-hmm. I had a very powerful experience with her when she slapped my chest and she put me in this state that I never knew was even possible for humans, right? And then ever since, I've been just wanting to get back into that state. And, and uh, you know, I have fallen into it here and there for a few seconds or whatever, because at that time, time stops. But, but I've fallen into that space. But, I, you know, I know that there's a possibility of living in that state. That's what I'm looking for. Now, in the, in the, in the pathway to that, first, I had to take off the filters, and I'm still doing that, the distortions, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest distortions was in my physical body, because the way that I was eating in New York when I moved and uh, the, the things that I was doing was, you know, making me accumulate fat and, and mucus that, that doesn't let these impulses from your sex glands or, or, or organs and into your gut. And it's, it, it gets distorted, right? So mm-hmm. then you cannot even use that instrument of to intuition correctly because you get information, but it's distorted because in the physical plane, toxicity and, and the ways that the body reacts to, to adapt and survive it, it really cause a distortion of, of, a, of, of the light that we are and ends up projecting something different, right? Whether it's in thought, in feelings, or in the, in the physical body, manifesting as problems, symptoms, diseases. So that, that was what, what got me really interested was the search, the really intense search to heal myself. And I'm still on that path. <laughs> Beautiful. And yeah, I would love to spend time with you and show you some really cool things that we can do shamanically that I think you would love. Well, I'm, I'm very interested in traditions other than the Western science, right? And, and, and during times in my life, times of crisis or, or maybe not of crisis, but of, of the need to grow, I, I've been to, you know, the, the word shaman is a, is, is a difficult word, to, a word to, to use correctly, right? But I've been to shamans or, or you know, I... At one point, I, I used ayahuasca. I, I, I was, oh, ayahuasca there, okay. I, I, I also, I used, I used other medicines, you know, wachuma, you know. Uh-huh. And, then, and then also lately, I've been, I've been using cambo. And I've learned from all these uh, medicine servers, you know, that they don't like to be called shamans. But um, I've learned from them different uh, tools that really have been helping me a lot. 
so a lot of them are doing like earth shamanism, but a lot of sometimes people who are administrating these different types of plant medicines and so forth aren't shamans. They're, they're medicine people who are working in the medicine world. Shamanism is a certain philosophy that you live by. It's a way that you understand life from the core and how you build the relationship with the spirit world, with the ancestors, with the body with the the spirits that are existing in our plane and through all the different planes, both multidimensionally, quantumly, and within your own body system. And so the relation in accordance of a shaman is to be able to bring people back to themselves outside of the conditions of rules and labels and boxes and ideas and structures that are based in the fear understanding that we came into earth with. So for instance, people come to earth, they're born on a planet of lies. So the planet of lies is that the families and people tell them what needs to be in order for them to be loved, in order to be appreciated, in order to be seen, in order to be valued. So human beings base their existence on the idea of getting accolades, being acknowledged, being appreciated, being valued and being seen and having something, creating something. And all the purpose is, is governed by the idea that if you do this, you have a right to exist. And so the exist love is the truth of existence. It's the idea of if someone feels love, what they're basically saying is I exist. And so in shamanism, the understanding is to remove people out of duality, to pull everything out of duality, darkness, women versus men, any type of division, separation, elimination, ostracizing of any kind is to be brought back into the nucleus of love. So the cosmology of the energy frequencies that represent that energy are operating in the tones of generosity and kindness and love and pleasure and bliss and ecstasy and, you know, acknowledgement and all and so much more. And the energy frequencies that are in lower dissonance are operating with energies of spirits that have made their free will choice to utilize their power in the fear of lack of non-existence. So the lack of non-existence creates fear, creates worry, creates scarcity, creates destruction and pain and chaos and separation and division. And so shamanism is about finding the understanding of that knowledge and that communication between the people and tribes and being able to teach each person how to stay in autonomy, but also to be a part of the collective. So that way they're able to resource together, but also individually that supports nature, supports the planet, supports them and supports everyone around them. So in that process, if the medicine is the result of it, which is like the small degree of shamanism, because shamanism isn't based on plant medicine. It's just the thing that nature has said to give to those who have forgotten. But the core energy of shamanism is to help people to get in contact with themselves. So to be able to go back into the nucleus of themselves and remove themselves from the, the outside projection that they have created and go back into the center. So there's, there's so much I can share with you about that. Well, thank you. Thank you for that beautiful explanation. You know, I always joke with, with some of my friends that are into these things that there's a pandemia of shamanella. Yeah, I know. There's so many shamans out there, right? And there's also a, an epidemic of, of what I call plant or nature's medicine tourism, right? Yep. 
you go to these centers that are beautiful in Costa Rica or Peru or wherever, and you have a menu and you can choose. You, you know, you can do ibogaine in the morning and, and, and ayahuasca on the weekend, right? And um, and listen, I'm not I'm not trying to put those down because you know sometimes even if you don't do things perfectly, as as long as you're exposed to maybe take you to the next level. But there is a danger that comes with these things, right? Yes, there because is. I see I see the shaman or the medicine server as I see a doctor. You go to the doctor, you tell them your symptoms, then the doctor asks you for the questions. Then he listens to your lung and your heart and palpates your, your intestines to see if there's a tumor or whatever. Then he sends for blood work or x-rays, yeah? Then there's a diagnosis. And depending on the diagnosis, you get a treatment, right? And I, I believe that medicine servers and shamans should be doing the same thing, not just presenting an, a menu of all the options out there for for the for the tourism aspect of it. Oh my God, I love you. Oh, you just mm, so good. So yes, so I believe the same thing. I believe it, exactly what you're saying. And one of the biggest things that I have had a challenge with is observing. And when I say challenge, meaning looking for ways to educate and correct the imbalance that I see, because it is imbalanced. People are, you can throw a uh, tennis ball and hit someone and they're a shaman, but they don't understand where shamanism comes from, what is the root of shamanism. And when you are administrating any form of medicine, even when people come to me, because I'm a spirit shaman, so there's different types of shamans. There's water shamans, there's earth shamans, there's fire shamans, there's um, uh, air shamans, and there's spirit shamans. I'm a spirit shaman. So our my roots come from Africa, from the African way of shamanism, which is the way I was raised in my family and from my lineage and my tribe in Africa, from where my grandmother and my father and so forth come from. So the energy of how I operate is whenever someone comes to me, it's not just, oh, we're just going to go do this. We actually go through the physiology. We look at your physiology. We pay attention to your eye dilation, how your body, your breathing. We listen to the tones of your voice, which tells me what's going on emotionally for you. Then I run scans on your system energetically. I run a scan on your body. I read out all of the things the spirits are sharing with me. I tell them, I tell you everything that's going on that spirit has shared with me. Then we run a test on your body. So I'll send certain frequencies into your body from the spirit world and see if you start shaking, if you vomit, if you like what happens to your body. Then I find out the core energy. So I look at your physical I look at how it's affecting you. Is it causing inflammation? Is it causing, you know, compression in your system? Is it vascular compression? What is happening to your body? Is it causing some kind of cell um, deterioration? What's going on? Is it too much toxins, too much things, acid in the body? We look at all of these things. And then from there, we go into your emotions. We look at what type of emotions are you been suppressing? Are you a person who allows yourself to be like the ocean? Because in shamanism, we look at nature to be our teacher. So are you you allowing the ebb, the release of the emotions and new energies to come in? Are you a stagnating person? If you're a stagnating person, we need to clear those emotions out. We also look at then your mental process. We look at how you think, what kind of synapses are firing off. We look into your frequencies of your synapses. We communicate to the parts of your brain. We talk to the parts of the different parts of your spirit that make up your consciousness. We talk to them and find out what exactly are is you and what is a spirit that's attaching to you and talking to you and making you believe that those are your thoughts 
And after all of that, only then you decide what course of action to take, correct? Exactly. So I, w- w- the, way I look at, the way I look at these centers that are popping up left, right, and center is like as if you went to the doctor and you had a menu of all the, the medications. You know, oh, today I'm going to take some statins, some high blood pressure, you know, this antiarrhythmic and uh, maybe cancer therapy, right? <laughs> I I don't want to, I don't want to be too critical of, of these centers because I've known people that went to them and had great experiences. Yeah. But it's not criticalness that you're being. And so we must remit, we must erase that. And we must look at your observation, your observing and seeing because he, observing critical is is basically like analyzing it and making everything wrong observing observing it from the perspective of your intelligence from the perspective of your expertise and from the perspective of your knowledge of what you are as a doctor and seeing how that can be a difficulty in the way in which we develop because what what i see in those places is this Lack of understanding that everyone is different and everyone has a different physiology and you cannot, you cannot think that everyone is the same. Some people can go into an ayahuasca ceremony and have an adverse reaction and go to anaphylactic shock within a moment of of, of going into it because their body is reacting to something, you know? So if you don't go in and actually realize that not everyone needs ayahuasca, not everyone needs iboga. Not everyone needs combo. And some people don't need medicine at all. And they think they do because they heard it as a trend on a dinner table. Let's talk about that. How it's trending. It's the trend. It's the new black. You go to a dinner table, you're talking with your friends, and everyone feels like their spiritual cachet is, did you go to India? Okay. Uh, No. Oh, you haven't? Oh, have you taken ayahuasca is the next question. What do you think about that? You're so right on the ball. And uh, and my intention on bringing this up is to really not warn people, but you know, let them know that, that they have to be cautious about these things, right? And if they do go to, this, to these centers, right, and, and they see a menu, then they should ask a little bit more. You know, why, who is doing this? How am I going to be safe? I mean, is, my, is, is what I have to overcome best dealt with with this medicine or this medicine who knows about it and if you realize that nobody can answer you with a straight face and and in a way that it sits right in your heart then don't do any yeah i've seen many people in ibiza i go to ibiza a lot people have died in ayahuasca ceremonies and then they're like oh i'm gonna bury them people in peru have gone to do ayahuasca ceremonies and they die and they bury them you know, and then there is those cases, and I know one for sure that we used ibogaine to try to, uh, you know, to cut his addictions for a while while mm-hmm. we trained, right? And it backfired. He ended up going worse than before, right? So, so the the, the knowledge of how to do these things and 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 who to do them with and in what setting to do them are all really critically important. Yeah, I think there needs to be more 
empirical knowledge and more testing and more understanding shamans and doctors need to get together and start figuring out like what are the ways these things can be administered i mean you know i understand that what people and here's the thing and this is something and i want to share this with you so a lot of people in the western world don't understand that when you are born in nature you're born in the jungle or the amazon or in the african plains and you're in any of these type of role settings you were raised in a certain tribe. You're raised in a certain way. You're not, a, you don't, you don't have all of these technologies and things buzzing around you and affecting your, your system with the EMF and all of these different things that are happening. And the way that you're raised isn't raised in a way that you're raised in the Western world where you go into institutions all the time that are telling you how to think and what to think. And if you don't think this way, then this thing doesn't happen. And, you know, and all these rules and regulations, you're much more open and free, more like a child. You've been eating the same food in that region. You haven't really been adjusting to anything other than that. Now you take someone from the Western world who travels to Paris, to this place, to that place, eats food from all different types of restaurants, is exposed to all types of technology, all types of different frequencies and currents and energies, stresses that are affecting them with negative frequencies from people's conversations, negative um, stress markers, all of these different things. And then they go into a ceremony. The reason why, <laughs> the reason why you don't see a lot of native people having difficulty with the medicines is because there's a period of understanding that they're not affected by all those other things. So their body is, is handling it differently than a Westerner would. Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's a level of purity, right? Yes. There's not so much contamination and distortion that, that happens when you live in this kind of environment. This yeah. Kind of you're, you're much more bombarded with aggressive frequencies and energies that are affecting you, causing levels of inflammation. Just by conversation, you can cause inflammation by messing in with the certain neurological distortions by how you're reacting and how you're responding and what you're reacting to. Look at the coronavirus. Everyone goes into fear and panic. Fear is a virus. It moves through your system faster than you can imagine and moves to the next person. It jumps to the next person just through conversation or reaction. So so again, if we don't understand that the course that people are going into with this, they really have to spend time before they go into the medicine. They have to sit down. They have to get used to the plant in their body, maybe taking smaller dosages, maybe going into other plants to clean their system out first. Because a lot of times I, I had this one person who was talking to me, came back from ayahuasca ceremony, had a horrible experience. And the first thing my guide said to me, this my ancestor spoke to me and said, this person ate a hamburger. So I said, did you eat hamburger before going into your thing? It was like, oh yeah, I had a lot of fast food. And then me and my buddies, we we rented, we got on a, we rented a jet and we jumped on a plane and we went out there and we wanted to do like a boys trip to do this, you know, ayahuasca. And, and they had the worst experience, you know, they were just horrible experience. And I said, well, the thing is, you are not preparing this vessel for what you're about to go into because you're not thinking about all the different things that you're actually going through already. Now you're adding greasy hamburger meat and cheese and all these high cooked foods into your stomach and so forth. And now you're going to put medicine on top of that, that is going to, you think that's going to be a good thing. And he's like, oh, maybe I should have thought about that. But this is the behavior. And here's the other thing too is that whoever is administrating these medicines, 
they need to take more reverence, more an ability to pay, to be more responsible, I would say, in the manner of the people and what they're bringing about, not just using, thinking of it like a conveyor belt, a buffet table, as you said, of, you know, if you walk into a hospital and you're like, I have a stomach ache, I have a flu, I have the sniffles. And they're like, okay, well, here's the buffet table, choose which ones you want, you guys decide what you want and go in the other room and take it and we're all good. No, there has to be a level that people go through of acknowledging and having that level of respect for the human being that is coming in and not just, oh, let me make some quick money or let me profit off of this person. But this is a human being. This is a, a soul. This is a life form that is coming in and giving themselves to you. And there's got to be a level of reverence and respect for that. And I think the practice of that needs to be acknowledged to do no harm to none. Has to follow through the same way it does in, in all aspects. It has to follow through in that world as well. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> How can we best utilize our body's natural ability to heal itself? Um, how has your clean program given people the service to do so, my love? So in functional medicine, there is this concept that there are no incurable diseases, only incurable patients. And where's the difference? The incurable, the, the patient that hasn't cured or healed their disease just hasn't found the way to do it, right? Keep on looking and, and you may find it before, uh, you know, inevitably at, at some point the, the physical body gives up, right? But there's also this idea that the body knows how to heal itself. In fact, that is the only thing that the body comes with information on how to do, adapt and survive. So every reaction that you see the body having and expressing and that we call disease is actually perfect given what the body has available and given what is blocking certain things. So at a certain level, our body is just a chain of reactions of, of chemicals, right? Of molecules at a certain level, right? And in this level, in this physical level, you can reduce human or biology to this. Molecule A meets molecule B to form a more complex molecule C that will fulfill a function. Now, when something is lacking, let's say molecule A is not there, only molecule B cannot form the next molecule to fulfill that function. So when some, something is lacking, or when there's an obstacle, let's say there's, there's a heavy metal that attaches to molecule A and doesn't let it join molecule B to form molecule C, then that will also not allow that function to be fulfilled. So mm -hmm. when you remove the obstacles and you provide whatever is lacking, everything corrects by itself, right? This is what really the big picture of, of how I look at medicine and my patients is this. First thing is what is blocking the healing and what is it that it's lacking? And for so many people, what is lacking is certain nutrients, right? Mm -hmm. and what is blocking is certain toxins. First of all, the waste product of our healthy metabolism. You know, life is an acid-forming process. So you, you, <laughs> you, 
you form lactic acid, you form carbonic acid, you form uh, uh, ammonia, you form, uh, you know, all these acids that the body then has to get rid of. How does it do it? By causing certain chemical reactions in the liver and other cells that transform these molecules from toxic to non-toxic and from fat soluble to water soluble so that they can be eliminated through urine, feces, and sweat. Now, when you look at it that way, and this is what, I, what I've been doing in my medical practice, I use detoxification as a really important tool. And I've learned how to you know, figure out what are the toxins that are coming in, because there's not only the endogenous toxins of the waste product of your metabolism, there's also exogenous toxins that nature did not intend us to be exposed to. All these chemicals, you know, in the air that we breathe, the water that we drink and shower with, the cosmetics that we use, the medications we consume, but mostly the foods that we eat are loaded with chemicals that alone or in combination cause some kind of disruption in your biology that ends up expressing as a symptom or a disease, right? So all these toxic chemicals, many of them, most of them are, are, are only dissolvable in fat. And then they have to be converted into water soluble. That process happens mostly, but not only in the liver. It also happens in your intestines, through your, through your intestinal flora, and, there, and many other tissues, right? But, but mostly in the liver. And the liver needs certain nutrients. Now, the foods that we're eating are devoid of nutrients. Our gut is damaged, so the absorption of these nutrients is not good. It ends up in a condition that the, the liver doesn't have the, the necessary tools to do its work. So then there is a backlog of toxicity, right? Now, in Ayurvedic medicine, there's this concept of ama. Mm-hmm. At the root of toxicity and, and at the root of diseases is an imbalance of ama. Ama is toxicity. Now, in Ayurvedic medicine, you don't distinguish between toxic molecules, toxic thoughts, or toxic emotion. Everything is, is falls under under the umbrella of ama. And what they say is that toxic chemicals and the reaction that the body generates in order to defend itself, which is accumulation of mucus and fat attract by resonance toxic thoughts and toxic emotions. So I think that a first step, even before you do ayahuasca, even before you, you know, even before you go see Shaman Durek, deal with a little bit at least, deal with this issue of toxicity, right? And there's many ways of doing it. I created a program called the Clean Program, and but there's many programs out there for enhancing the detox, en- enhancing and supporting the detoxification system of the body. Right. That alone, I see sometimes that takes care of a lot of emotional problems that people get stuck with, you know, without the need for for a psychotherapy or, or, or drugs or anything, you know, just getting rid of all this excess mucus and fat that is just an adaptation mechanism of the body. Getting rid of that gets rid of the toxic feelings and thoughts that they come attached to by resonance. Beautifully said. Absolutely beautifully said and powerful and well-needed information because there's a lot of people in the world who, you know, and I'm really glad that you actually brought up that fine point because I actually talk about a lot of this to people in the sense that our body is exposed to things that nature never intended. It just never intended these things. And a lot of times when people think, you know, when I go back to my childhood in the early 70s, you know, in 80s, we, I didn't see a lot of the things that we have today. 
you know, people have these allergies to yeast and all these different things that are affecting their body. But I never seen those things back then. And I think a lot of it was because of the fact that the chemicals started becoming more produced. People started eating more, more processed food. People started putting more poison into their system and their body sort of developing more of these reactions. And, you know, I, I call it the hodgepodge coding. So literally nature has a natural code frequency. Your body has a natural code frequency that correlates with nature's frequency. So when you eat something from the earth, nature already has the code inside of it. And when you put it in your mouth, your body goes, oh, I know this code and it finds exactly what it needs to do in order to process that through your system. But when you eat something that has chemicals and stuff that are not coded to your system naturally by creation, then you actually are bringing in something that your body does not recognize. And when your body does not recognize it, it goes into malfunction, trying to find and look for the ways to find bits and pieces of this and that and that to make it so that it can find a way to digest it properly and bring it into your system. But still, it's not exactly the right formula that your body can find to digest something that is a foreign thing. And yeah. so your body then creates more difficulty. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the thing is, you know, you, you, you continue to mention nature, right? And that I think is the key to unlocking the natural ability to heal oneself. You know? Because the problem is this, when you look around, you see that animals in the wild that are living according to how nature designed them to live and eating what nature designed them to eat, don't get sick. There's no elephants with depression and rhinos with autoimmune diseases <laughs> and, and, you know, and cancers and all these diseases that we are suffering from. The only animals that have that are humans and the, and the poor beasts that we keep next to us, our dogs and our cats, which mm -hmm. you know, end up at the psychiatrist and all these problems, right? But, but uh, animals in the wild <laughs> don't, 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 don't have these problems. Now, we don't eat food as we were designed by nature to do it. Not only we don't eat the things that nature designed them to eat, us to eat, but no, also not in the way that nature designed us to eat. Like, for example, you look around, animals in the wild eat when they find food and fast until they find the next meal. Some, anim some animals eat more often because they're, they're, what they eat is easier to find, like, like panda bears, right? They, they eat bamboo. So they, if they get in a forest of bamboo, they can eat all day. And, and, and that's maybe what they're around and, and, uh, and big, right? But, but some animals, like for example, tigers and lions who eat meat, they eat maybe once a week. So we are in that way, very similar. And I'm happy with this, you know, awareness of intermittent fasting that's coming out, even though it's not yet perfect in the sense of the practice, you know. But let's go to something much more simple. Put an animal from the wild in a supermarket. What is the only thing that that animal is going to eat? What's in the periphery? The fruits, the vegetables, the chickens, the, the, the meat, right? Because everything else, an animal in the wild wouldn't recognize us as food. In fact, it isn't food. It's just edible products, right? And they have a shelf life. And in order to have a shelf life, they have to have chemicals that don't allow microorganisms to grow and eat them up, right? Now, if they don't allow microorganisms outside of your body, these chemicals won't allow microorganisms inside of your body. 
So we're talking about the intestinal flora and how and how important it is these days, right? But when you eat food like products, you're killing it. So the fact that we are depart that have departed from nature so far, and you know we are not only not eating what nature designed us to eat, but we are not eating it in the way that nature designed. Nature didn't design human beings or any other animal by the way, to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snacks in between. This leaves humanity with a condition which I call pernicious digestion. You go pick up in any city in the planet, go pick up 100 people at random, and all of them will be at some level of, at some stage of digestion. We are digesting all the time. Digestion consumes a lot of energy, which ends up needing to be stolen from other systems, the detoxification system, the thinking system, your intuition, the healing and repair systems, right? So we are in a way numbed down from being digesting all day long. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I live an OMOD lifestyle and um, that's one meal a day. And then I, every other week I cycle it between intermittent fasting. But this month I've decided to cut both of those out. And I've been on a, a soup fast, which has just been like vegetable broths and lemongrass broth and different things for a whole month. And what's interesting to me when I find about how people eat, which I find, because I was actually at my friend's house last night and I was watching how he eats. And I was just like, wow, you just all day long, I see you scarfing down food <laughs> down your throat. Like it's just, it's, it's amazing to just witness how much you just consume, you know? And I said, you know, and I always talk about how in tribal culture, the tribe would go and hunt for food and then they would um, come and eat the food, but then they would rest. There was a period of fasting because they would have, they weren't hunting and hunting and hunting and hunting and hunting and hunting. You just, you just can't, you can't do that. And sometimes when they would hunt, they couldn't find food. So then you wouldn't eat. So the body, its natural rhythm is to eventually, to go into that, that effetage moment, to be able to go into that space of being able to eat the things in your body that it, the poisons, the toxins, the things about um, like that. I would like to hear more about that so that those who are listening can understand what that exactly means. I want to go a little bit more deeper into the understanding of how we are overly consuming things into our system that's causing a havoc on our bodies and how really true health and healing comes from the body being able to have that energy, but also to eat the toxins and poisons in our body for that extra fuel and energy. Can you sh share about that? Oh, there's so much to talk about in your question, right? But, but um, le le let me tackle one, one thing at a time. You know, you, you, I think you're talking about a phenomenon that Western medicine is now recognizing as autophagia in which the body starts eating itself, right? After a certain period of fasting, the body starts, uh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna need certain nutrients that are not coming in, so I'm gonna go find them within the body, and I'm gonna eat up certain things, and it starts by eating up the diseased cells. The, such is the, the incredible intelligence of, of our bodies that your body will end up eating itself, starting with the diseased cells, right? So now that's when what explains part of what you see on these in these centers there's centers in Russia and Germany where people go and fast for a hundred days they only drink water sometimes for months in a row 
and they heal miraculously from cancers that they were told they were going to die for, for sure. And part of the healing process explanation is autophagia, right? It's the, the body eating itself, starting with the diseased cells, right? Now, the problem with food these days, as we said, when people are not eat, we are not eating food anymore. We're eating food like products. And we only think of food as you know, the building blocks to, to our body and the source of energy, right? But the food is also information and it will inform from the nucleus of, you know, your DNA, it will inform how your DNA should be expressed. So we used to think that genetic diseases, you know, or were, were written in stone. And now we're finding out through, through this understanding that food can actually turn on and off certain genes that may express not mm. only these, but also certain beneficial aspects of, of your body's functioning, right? So that is a really important aspect that, that, um, that people are not, all people are aware of, that when you're eating food, you're also informing your body and your genes how to express themselves. And the way that we're eating today, we are more than feeding ourselves. We are provoking the body to have to deploy adaptation and survival mechanisms that when they go on for too long, become what we distinguish these days as diseases. For example, the body doesn't know how to make any mistakes, right? I'm a cardiologist. One of the leading causes of death in the United States and around the world is cardiovascular disease, right? Blockages in your coronary arteries that end up giving you a heart attack, right? Now, how is it that our incredibly intelligent bodies are now forming blockages in your arteries? And what I say is this, the plaque that deposits, that ends up becoming a blockage, you know, the cholesterol plaque that deposits, it's just the body trying to repair that artery, which because of inflammation started experiencing certain miniature fissures, right? So the body says, okay, so how do I repair this? I put plaster there and let the healing process underneath take care of itself, right? Just like when you have a scab on your skin and the cut underneath will heal. And then when not, when not needed anymore, the scab will fall. And in the same way in the heart arteries, when there is a fissure, the body would deposit the plaque in the hope that the insult that created the fissure will disappear as it does in nature. There's no constant insult in nature. Insults come and go. So once the artery underneath that plaque is repaired, that plaque would be reabsorbed like a scab falling, right? But because the life that we live today is a constant insult, then plaque continues to be deposited, continues to be deposited. And that important adaptation and survival mechanism, which is the plaque, now becomes too long-standing, overgrown, and becomes what we call a disease. It's not a disease. It's an adaptation mechanism that went on for too long because of the unnatural way in which we live. Mm, wow. Wow. I love that. You are just a plethora of information. Amazing man you are. I love that. That's really, really powerful. A lot of information. I think people really needed to hear that because a lot of people have these very strange ideas where they'll, you know, they'll get cancer. Okay. They're on chemo. 
but they're still eating horrible food. They're still drinking. They're still smoking. They're still doing all of these things and they think they're going to heal their cancer by utilizing alternative therapies or Western medicine. And, you know, and I think it's important that people understand that if you are going on the healing journey, it means that you go on the healing journey, not just in one aspect, but in all aspects. And I think that the the relationship between the way human beings operate is they're always looking for the quick fix. They don't understand the longevity process and how the body adapts and how evolution operates. And so therefore, as we begin to mature into our healing, we understand that healing cannot just be in one way. It has to be in the way we connect with our friends, the foods we eat, the environment that we're in. I mean, I have found people that have had illnesses that I've told them, they, the spirits told me they had to move to a warmer climate to get better. And they did. And their body started shifting and changing because that was what their body needed. And I think the key element is for us to start learning that it's not just what someone is telling you. It's also what is your body asking for? And that level of listening and being able to communicate. And it's hard to listen and communicate when you have tons of toxins that are blocking those signals and blocking those frequencies from your intuition, from that natural, what I call core knowledge, right? The wise one within who has all the information on how to get you to be in that homeostasis and you're blocking those receptors, you're blocking that part of your being because you have toxicity overload. What would you say to someone's the first step for them to take to start releasing these toxins and start recovering into health? So, so to be really, really simple and practical, right? You have to, as we said, remove the obstacles and provide what is lacking. In order to remove the obstacles, the best, most important thing a woman can do is to start eating real food and not food-like products. If it's a plant, eat it. If it's made in a plant, don't eat it, right? Michael Pollan said that. So nothing from a box, from a jar, from a tube, from a can, from, a, you know, from, a, from any type of container, right? And loaded with chemicals. The second thing is you have to provide whatever is lacking. So providing the good foods, you know, provide fr fruits, vegetables, fish, uh, uh, you know, if you, if you eat meat, then meat, but, but whatever it is, make sure that nature raised it, not humans. Because when humans start raising animals, they do the same mistakes that they do with themselves. They give them alternative foods, like for example, feedlot cows. They were, they're given a conveyor belt with grains. Cows are not intended by nature to eat grains. So that causes acidity. And the acidity then, we, you, know, you know, they regurgitate a lot. But sometimes with the acidity, it goes into their lungs and it causes a inflammation and pneumonia. So then they start giving the cows antibiotics just to prevent pneumonia because, you know, every cow with pneumonia is a few thousand dollars less for the farmer. So and then, and, and then they wanted to get fat, fatter and, and heavier faster because that's also more money. So they give them hormones. And the same thing with farmed fish, you know, they even give them coloring agents so that the salmons look more orange in the supermarket, right? So anytime that we... <laughs> so disgusting. Yeah, anytime that we humans interfere with nature's design, we screw it up. So avoiding the sources of toxins and providing what is lacking is important. And just in very practical terms, and a, a very simple step that people can take is... Avoid the five big uh, 
uh, toxic triggers, right? Gluten, dairy, coffee, alcohol, and sugar. Avoid that for a couple of weeks and you will start noticing your skin getting smoother and glowing, your, your, the white around your eyes getting whiter, your sleep getting deeper, your fat starts to melt away. This is in functional medicine called the elimination diet. So wait, what is that again? I just want everyone to hear it one more time. Say it again. So the elimination diet is basically composed of eliminating the five big groups. Gluten, dairy, Mm -hmm. sugar, alcohol, and coffee. Alcohol and and coffee. And coffee. And I'm not saying that these things individually cannot be good. For example, coffee. If it's organic and you're not depending on it for energy, for, for for staying awake... Then coffee is great, you know. And there's there's forms of sugar that are good, and there's forms of for for us for some people dairy is good, right? But just the way that we are raising these things and producing these things in our factory, most of us are eating these things as toxic triggers. So just avoiding these things just for a couple of weeks, for a couple of weeks to begin with, just so you see the difference. If you <laughs> if you finish those two weeks and you introduce them all again, you will lose the benefits again, right? But as a way to get people, you know, to get them inspired enough to try, you you say, okay, we'll try for two weeks first, right? And then you see, and then you, you may reintroduce these things. This is in functional medicine called the elimination diet. And I always say that if you disguise an actor or an actress as a doctor and you put them in an office and you show them how to ask certain things and when and listen. And by the end of their visit, everybody gets the same thing. Elimination diet, judging by the results, that actor would be considered the best doctor in the neighborhood. Because what I see is that just going on the elimination diet resolves or improves about 60% of the problems that people come to me with of all kinds. Yeah, that's really powerful. Let me ask you this in regards to, because I had a uh, person do, what is it called? A blood test on me for, uh, what, what did they do it on? It was about uh, checking out my, what types of things I should eat and things I shouldn't eat and so forth and so on. And um, they did it. I don't know if it was, it was a, uh, trying to remember now. It wasn't just a nutrition, it was a blood test, but they used a different type of uh, way of doing it. I think it was through the DNA. But what it, what it was, was they told me that my heart metabolizes coffee and that I should drink coffee to metabolize my heart. Now, I'm not a big coffee drinker at all, but I do have sometimes coffee once in a while, like maybe once a month or so. But the point is, what do you think about that when they're telling me that heart, my heart metabolizes coffee? What does that mean? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure what it is that, that, that you tested and, and, and you got. But, but uh, as I said, coffee can be good. Listen, coffee, as you know, was a medicine of shamans many, you know, yes. many uh, generations ago. You know, people use it to have out-of-body experiences or to shock the system, right? But now we drink it for breakfast. Otherwise, we cannot function during the day. Coffee is a powerful thing. It's a powerful medicine, actually. So when we use it in a way that leads to dependence, then we're using it the wrong way. But coffee has incredible benefits sometimes, you know? Coffee actually can accelerate detoxification, phase one detoxification in the body. Coffee actually has incredible polyphenols and antioxidants. There's a big value of coffee. You know, I just don't want to throw everything away. I'm just saying that most people are using it in the wrong Incorrectly, way. yeah, incorrectly. 
That makes sense. 100%. And, 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 and if not organic, coffee is the Trojan horse for so many toxins because coffee, the crop, is bombarded with insecticides and pesticides and all kinds of chemicals. Yes. Where were you first exposed to Eastern and, and ancient medicine practices? How did that experience reveal the holes in Western medicine? So when I moved to New York, I told you I got depressed and irritable bowel syndrome and all these things. And I started looking for a solution that didn't include seven prescription medications. And my most scary problem was that of my mind because of my depression, because I realized that I was thinking all day long, but I wasn't really thinking. Thoughts were just happening. I wasn't choosing them. If I had a choice, I wouldn't have chosen 99% of the thoughts that were appearing in my mind at that time. So I started trying to find out a way of First of all, realizing who is thinking, where are these thoughts coming from? Am I just going crazy? Am I just hearing voices, right? So I never questioned that. I just thought, oh, I no, I think a lot. I, I can think of three things at the same time. But then I realized that I wasn't thinking. It, thoughts were just happening. That led me to meditation. That led me to find Guru Mai and that incredible experience that I told you I had. Yeah. And after that, I just left I graduated as a cardiologist and I left and I went to India to Guru Mai's ashram and I lived there for a year and a half. And that is where I was running the health clinic there. And it was me as a Western doctor, but there were Ayurvedic medicine doctors, chiropractors, naturopaths, hands-on healers, uh, uh, Reiki masters, meditation teachers. And we all, we would all sit in a circle and a patient would come and sit, you know, in, uh, among us. And then they would tell us the problem and each one would ask the questions from their tradition, right? I would ask questions from Western medicine, you know, I, somebody else would ask questions from an Ayurvedic point of view, you know, and, and at the end we would all discuss and we would propose what is needed. And for example, sometimes I realized that if somebody didn't get to the hospital right away, they were in danger. So that's what we did. Right. But sometimes we just realized that that person had to stop eating fire uh, promoting foods because their pita was too high and out of balance. And, and I was looking at, I mean, what are they talking about? Right. But then they took them off spices and mangoes and all their symptoms calmed away. So I was like, oh my God, I can't argue with results. You know, you cannot argue with success. So then that is where I started gaining not only a curiosity, but a lot of respect for all these other schools of medicine. You know, and I'm and I dabble into it. You know, I, I know a little bit about Ayurvedic medicine, a little bit about Chinese medicine. Amazing. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that story. It's so beautiful. You know, because for me, one of the things that and the reason why I asked that question is that one of the things that I am putting my energy in in this lifetime is getting together with these neuroscientists and different doctors and building a fringe lab and start really understanding these different of how to bring spirit back into medicine and into uh, Western theories and practices, but also creating a space where you have a doctor, you have a shaman, you have a person who's in Chinese medicine. You have a person who is in Ayurvedic. You have a person who understands healing techniques and certain modalities and so forth. And an herbologist who operates in the same stuff, um, you know, that works with more like African herbs or different herbs that are very um, difficult to find, but actually help the body and create a facility where people can come in and actually sit down with everyone and be able to get the information and find out what is the best 
best care for them in in their whole I call it the holistic you know experience and so forth and so that's something that my girlfriend Princess Marta and I are really focused on wanting to bring to to the table and to the forefront and really help remodel and also have a a, a functional medicine doctor as well there so that there's a, a rounded opinion and view of what's going on because I think that what has happened and what I've seen because a lot of doctors have separated spirit from understanding of the Western theory and practice of allopathic medicine, but don't realize that at the same time that shamans were the doctors in the tribes. They were also the psychologists and they were also the ones who learned about the different ways to adapt the human body to be able to have longevity and sustainable health and all of these different things. And then they end up becoming the alchemists because they were then invited to begin to afford their practices by the help of these different rural families and so forth who would give them the ability to have more equipment to be able to look at these plants and start building compounds and so forth. And as they started to grow, it moved into what you see today as the physician with the two snakes, which is called the Candace with the wings over it. But the core energy comes from that ancient knowledge. And a lot of the cultures, even in like uh, Grecian culture, Arabic culture with systemic understanding of the development of human beings and operating at the way that their body types are and how their system is and how their body and how their hands and the shape of their bodies and what type of person they are, their region of origin depends how their body and their health is going to be adapting to basic you wouldn't give this person medicine who has this type of body type, but you would give this person medicine who has that type of body type. And I think all that has to be brought back in, you know, when we're looking at all of these different modalities, when it comes to truly creating what we call sustainable health on this planet. And I think right now where we have it is we, it's a division and we need to create a social cooperation. So that's the reason why I had to ask you that question because I wanted to hear your thoughts about it and, and just, you know, I really appreciate what you had to say. That, that's uh, really beautiful. Well, that's, a, that's a great project you're working on. Whatever I can help you, you let me know. I will definitely let you know. I'm, I'm sitting here writing my notes of things and um, just being an awe-inspiring uh, by, your, by your presence. And I really appreciate you. How can people find out about your books or find out more about you so they can get in touch with you? Instagram, Dr. Alejandro Junger or Facebook or... I mean, there's, I have a website, dryunger.com, that, uh, that people go there to book appointments and consultations. And we, we do a gut repair programs and detoxification programs individually and as groups. And also, you know, I have a company called Clean Program, www.cleanprogram.com, where we provide all the supplements and the shakes and everything needed. You know, the best way is to do it through nature. To go 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 and and get your fruits and your vegetables and your and your stuff and but so many people these days are not ready for that cannot don't have the time or the knowledge to you know prepare everything for themselves for 21 days or seven days or whatever so they are you know the second best thing really is is with certain supplements that you can that you can achieve a certain level of, of uh, feeling good and energy so that you can be inspired to then eventually not need any supplements, you know? Absolutely. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, it was really great having that great conversation with Dr. Alejandro Younger. Uh, I really believe very strongly in 
you know, a lot of the things that he's talking about that relate and correlate with a lot of the belief that I believe in. And I just love having someone like a doctor like him really explain these understandings to us in a way that helps us to begin to mature ourselves in who we are and what we are as a human being, um, as an individual and a collective and as a species. You know, I, I, I think the whole idea of us being the only animal on the planet that's getting sick and disease from all the other animals in nature and the only animals in nature that are getting sick and disease are because of things that we are doing. And there's a greater responsibility that we have as human beings to be able to look at how we are operating in the nature of who we are. Just because there's an industry and a system that tells us that we have to buy processed food doesn't mean we have to. And it's true. If nature did not make it, then don't take it. It's, 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 it's like, it's almost like there's this part of our brain that because the way we were raised and our parents would like take us to fast food restaurants and, you know, we shop at the grocery store and we pull things off the shelf when we were just taught like that's the normal thing to do. That's how we function on planet Earth. And so we just decide to do it. We don't question it. We don't say like if this is the correct way because that's what we were taught. That's what was bred into us as children to be normalized by this idea that processed food on shelves, in boxes, in cans, and in uh, plastic bottles is actually food. And what we don't realize is that we're eating product. And we're eating product that is not supportive to our systems. And I feel like if we are going to continue to grow as a species, if we're going to develop and adapt to what's going on on the planet, if we're going to access higher levels of consciousness, we really need to be accessing it on all levels of our being. And it doesn't just mean meditating and doing yoga and you know going to ceremonies and so forth. But then on the weekends, you're eating hamburger and you're eating processed food every time. Now, I'm not saying for you to be this intense person who's like, okay, I'm just only going to eat what comes out of the earth. I'm just saying, find a balance, get to a place where you're eating more that's coming from the earth than processed food, you know, and, and I, and I will join you on that and be the same because I look, I'm not the best at it. And there are times where I go out with friends, houses and so forth. And that's what they have on the table and I eat it. However, it's not the best thing for us. And in order for us to really up-level ourselves as human beings and be able to really clear a lot of the toxicity that he talks about in our bodies, we have to make an adjustment in the way that we're living our lives. And we have to make an awareness of how we're living our lives through the way in which we conduct ourselves every single day. And that means being mindful of our conversations with people, what types of things we're saying, so we're aware of where it's coming from and how we're communicating into the world, but also being mindful of what we're taking in and not just as in conversations or in experiences of where we may be with an individual or a group of people, but also what we're taking into our bodies. Really important because at the end of the day, no body, no life, no life, no fun, no joy, no elation, no happiness, no love, no family, no friends, no earth. And we really have to make a decision to adjust ourselves to the way that our body was meant to be. You know, our world is a little completely backwards if you think about it. And when I say completely, I mean like really completely backwards because we have adjusted ourselves to this toxic way of living, you know, truly have. And I love 
the, the knowledge that he brings forth when it comes to understanding these levels of how we're operating. Not just the fact that, you know, he is this, you know, amazing guy who, you know, as he talks about the, the wounded healer, which I, I love that because I, I mean, I live that in myself. And I think a lot of us do, you know, we're all wounded healers on some level. Even if you're a lawyer or a doctor, you're still a wounded healer. You're, you know, you may be healing in small ways, either by being a parent or a friend to someone, but we all have gone through some form of wounding right you know but he grew up a very privileged upbringing you know had a great family who supported him you know and then he you know was living where he's from and then from there where he was you know um, living and experiencing his life he you know had moved from Uruguay and then into New York City into a city into life in very different type of environments that he was brought up in you know where he graduated in medical school in Uruguay you know, where he was born. And, and that's a huge step. You know, a lot of people don't realize that when you live in one place and were brought up in a certain way, and then you move to a different place and eat their food and live a different way, you're actually bringing a whole level of different energies and toxins and different experiences to yourself. So it's important for us to monitor that and be aware of that. Right. And so, you know, here he is, he's experiencing his life and then he's going through all these intense changes and he starts going into depression and he starts going into a lot of mental decline and a lot of that causes a lot of problems. And he starts going into prescriptive drugs to to heal those issues. And that even caused a more of a myriad of problems that occurred in his life. And that brings on, you know, so much more um, difficulty and damage to the self on multiple levels. And then he met Guru Mai and he ended up moving into the ashram in India with Guru Mai and became a doctor there in a circle of people, which was really powerful, who were healers and doctors and Ayurvedic, you know, people and just all types of beautiful, powerful people coming together to help other people to resource their lives and heal themselves by creating a collective resource of intelligence which is where we need to be in our future it's the future of medicine it's the ability to create what i call the conscious integration it's the integrative understanding of knowledge brought together for the purpose of continued health and sustainable life and sustainable joy and sustainable everything right so having the doctor there having the person who does ayurvedic having the shaman having the person who's chinese medicine having the person who's a functional medicine doctor, having the healer there, having all the different types of people and that person comes in who has an ailment of some sort and everyone is giving their uh, knowledge from their expertise and who they are in their field. And then sharing that and having a collective conversation and then finding and mapping out the right plan for that person. I think that was a beautiful experience, you know, and going into that experience with Guru Mai helped him to enter a new state of consciousness. And that new state of consciousness then opened him up to realizing the holes that were in Western medicine and the places where holism and all the alternative therapies play an integral role in bringing one back to homeostasis and what I call continued health health, our sustainable health in the better way of saying it. And so 
again, when we understand when he's talking about toxins, and I talk about toxins a lot to people because a lot of times people will say, you know, Shaman Derek, I go through a lot of stress or I have sleeping disorders or I have chronic inflammation or I have this or I have that. And they think that it's just a spiritual thing, like they're spiritually under attack, but they don't understand that the spiritual attack could be the fact that they're attacking themselves from the spirit that's with them that's causing them to eat a bunch of crap food. Yes, crap food, food that is not supporting your system and being able to thrive, which is a very important word. And you should definitely write that word down, thrive, and ask yourself if you're thriving on all levels of your being. And if not, then what is it that you are doing that's not causing that to happen, right? So that you are being able to thrive. So the toxic distortion in our system is really a serious situation because people don't realize that the more toxins you have in your body, the more disruptors you have inside of your system, the more the light is being limited and the more um, your spiritual energy is not being able to flow and correct these imbalances to be able to give you the highest source of intelligence and emotional intelligence so that you can live your best life, right? So toxins distort your light in the way you eat and the poisons you place in your body are creating disruptors within your system. And so again, if we step into this awareness that these things are happening, we also step into the awareness of the change that can be made about these things and how we choose to select our lifestyle. Because you get to select your lifestyle, just so you know. You don't have to follow what your parents did, what your mom and dad, your guardians, your grandfather, your grandmother, whoever it was that raised you did. You don't have to follow their routine. You can create a new routine for your family and for your kids that is completely different and completely different. When I mean completely different, I mean like so different that it's not even matchable and that you can create something completely new that will help them and you to adjust. And when I say them, meaning your children and your friends and the people around you to adjust to realizing that they can create the same for themselves, right? Because we live by show of example. We model that into the world and then other people see it and say, oh, I can do that too. They're doing it. I can do it, right? And that I think that's the great thing about being able to social gather with people is that we can model love, we can model health, we can model enlightenment, we can model peace, we can model all of these things instead of modeling fear and modeling uh, distrust and modeling stress and modeling toxic behavior. So we understand that, you know, our body is so powerful. You know, as he said, the heart, you know, people saw it only as a muscle, right? But as we know, the heart is its living brain. It's a brain. It has nerves. It coordinates. It's beating. It's a perfect beating and perfect rhythm so that your body can get exactly what it needs. The heart has a brain. And not only that, like your stomach, for instance, has this amazing system as well, right? Which develops serotonin and, and it supports your immune system as so does your intestines and so forth. Every part of your body is, is this own powerful, amazing source of intelligence that is supporting all of us. And as, as we begin to recognize that, we understand in shamanism, we always say that your heart is the place that connects to the divine, right? And as he said, the heart is access to higher consciousness. And when we understand the, the relevance of if we are acknowledging the heart, then if the heart has this ability, what other parts of our body have abilities? They all do, right? And we haven't really come to understanding all of them as of yet, but we are the more and more we begin to share and resource knowledge from different cultures and different ways of looking at life and different traditions. We bring them together and we start piecing back the knowledge that was taken apart so we would not be able to understand how to come into full power with ourselves. 
And I think that we have the capability to do so, right? But in order to do so, we have to really step into an understanding that the body knows how to adapt. And if we continue to operate in this dysfunctional way, we're not allowing the body to adapt in the right way, right? Our body is made up of all of these different chains of different chemicals and molecules. And when something is lacking um, from the system, right? When molecule A cannot connect with molecule B to create molecule C, then the molecule itself is not being able to connect with A or B to create C, right? Then that's where we create the block, right? So the block, something is blocking the healing and the body has its ability to heal from anything. It just needs the right information. So when we understand that the main keys that limit people from healing is nutrients and something that is creating toxins in the body and something that is being held onto by the body and by the emotions or by the mind. And so clearing these energies out because life is an acid forming process as the doctor said, and it's true. Our body's constantly creating all types of acid, lactic acid, pneumonia. I mean, you name it, right? And so detoxing our system in the natural way that it was intended to, right, is important because the more we begin to eat the way that our body was intended to, detoxing our body the way it's intended to, our body's naturally to be detoxing all the time by eating food that is allowing us to detox and also giving us the nutrients that we need so that our body is not holding all these toxins that affect our emotions. So whenever you see someone who has like a lot of anger and stress and all these different things, it's not just because they're being spiritually attacked or their spirits attached to them, which I do say about the Skechers and all that stuff, but it's also about the foods they're putting in their body from those spirits that are attached to them that are telling them to eat bad food and put more toxins in because the spirit wants to break down their body, not just their mind. And that's something to be paying attention to in our day and age is to realize that yes, there are things that are affecting us in the spirit world. And yes, it is important for us to clear negative energies, but also those negative energies will get us to do things negative to ourselves that make us not be able to stay in that place of homeostasis. So nature is the key to unlock those natural abilities to heal. And I talk about this all the time, right? And so I really love that he talked about autophagia because autophagia is when your body starts to eat the dis-ease in your system and you know the way we get to that is through fasting intermittent fasting or omad and getting into that space where our body can start eating disease so if you have a sickness or an illness and you actually start fasting and letting your body eat the disease your body is going to get better like he said there are so many researches where people have gone and fasted for months who had cancer and all of a sudden their cancer is gone because the body eats the disease and so we really have to start eating the right things are fasting more and not eating so much because the more we keep digesting and digesting and digesting and digesting and digesting, as he said, it's provoking the body from not being able to clear and clean and get all the stuff out. So what it does is it starts creating more plaque buildup in our body and our body starts going into creating ways to adapt to the aggressive constant digestion it has to go through by creating sickness and disease. And I think his whole understanding of the elimination diet, get rid of gluten, get rid of dairy, get rid of coffee, get rid of alcohol, and get rid of sugar 
and do that for at least two to three weeks and you're going to start noticing differences. And I believe him 100% because the moment I cut out dairy in my life, my inflammation in my body went down significantly. My stomach got flatter. Everything got better. Cut out sugars, same thing. And so it's really important, you know, and I talked about the coffee bit because, you know, I think in moderation, but if you're a person who can do all of that, then absolutely wonderful. Because look, it's time for us to start eliminating the things in our life that are not supporting us. And that represents things that are in the physical world. That also represents foods. That represents the people in our life who constantly just don't want to evolve into a place of love and so forth. We just send them love and we have to eliminate. It's time to start eliminating the nonsense. And the nonsense is anything that's making us sick as a society, as a culture, as, as a collective, and as an individual. I love you all so much. And remember how powerful you are because life is beautiful and we can make it even more beautiful by doing the right things for ourselves. And, you know, I think that the more we begin to do that, it's important. And I love that if we are to go and seek after people in the world to give us plant medicine and so forth, I believe exactly what the doctor said, which is you don't go to a medical facility and there's like a buffet table of all these medications or a manual of medications and then you can just selectively choose which ones you want. We need to start looking for people who operate in the balanced way, operating and understanding that you have a human body, you have emotions, you have a mind and you have a spirit and all of it should be taken under account when offering anything to you on any form of healing. I think we need to get back to the way that things are done in the most harmonious way and remember how we have the ability to create change in this world. And it starts with intelligence and it starts with follow through and acknowledgement and regaining the perspective of knowing that we can do anything if we choose to love, to live, to laugh, to play, and to always be in the space of connecting with nature and returning to that which is natural. I love you so much and I'll see you for the next share. Bye. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing, but don't have the access to those healers or can't afford them. One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing, but some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based, and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. Something as small as a chill or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change and I've learned how to get results. Who doesn't want to feel good? 
The Healing Temple is not only beneficial to you, but also to those around you. Because when you're feeling good, you shine that positive energy onto others. Your partner, your children, co-workers, even your dog or your cat. Everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better. It's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet. We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all that's happening in the world, the social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple to join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, stay lit.